All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and figure out what other movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Green Book, a movie that is very much a part of all of the end of the year awards conversations. So I'm excited to be talking about it. Um, before we get into that, I want to remind you all to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. Also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. We've been uh, having a lot of conversations in there and we want you to be a part of those conversations. Um, so, you know, with that said, I'm going to kind of just jump into this one. Uh, I've been really looking forward to talking about it. It's the true story of Dr. Don Shirley, the jazz pianist, as he and his uh, bodyguard driver, uh, a white Italian racist from the Bronx, uh, travel across the South together and learn a lot about uh, relationships, racism, and uh, what it means to be a person, basically. And uh, it's a very crowd-pleasing kind of a movie it uh its themes get a little bit muddled here and there but we'll talk about that as we get into the conversation and with me is returning co-host chris cranock So back on the show again today, we've got Chris Cranock. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing even better than last time. All right. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> right on, man. Well, um, we are uh, we're talking today about Green Book, Peter yeah. Farrelly's Green Book. One of my favorite movies of the year. There you Shocking, go. I liked something. All right. <laughs> I know. I, I This is a movie I did not expect to like. I did Ooh, end up yeah. liking it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hey, we might as well uh, do an episode on yeah, it. Yeah, I thought Why it was going to be hot garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be absolutely miserable. Yeah. I, I watched, I saw the trailer for it and I looked over at the person I was watching the movie with and I was like, wow, that's going to be absolute trash yeah <laughs> and then it's not it's excellent yeah i i fall like i'm i'm i didn't like it as much as you did but mm -hmm. i still very much liked it um it's funny it's 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 a movie not unlike i know you hated bohemian rhapsody but with a, with a deep passion. yeah it but was, ugh, <laughs> insulting not unlike bohemian rhapsody i still see the things i thought i wasn't gonna like in this movie sure. still yeah, in the movie it is it is but it's a very hard movie to not like. It still is very yeah. enjoyable regardless. Yeah, the thing is, is that, and it's not even, to me, what I was most surprised about, because I was like, okay, so here's here are the, here are the two options. Either this is going to be, like I said, hot garbage, either it's going to be insultingly bad, right? Yeah. or it's going to just pander yeah. and be give me the warm and fuzzies. And, yeah. but, and, I sh and I like it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. But really, neither of those things happen for me. Like, it, it does have, I mean, it's fundamentally a cliche. Yeah. And fundamentally at its core. Yeah. Um, but this, to me, this proves what I always say, which is that like, if it's good, if it works, I'll like it. You yeah. Know, you don't, you know, you don't have to, uh, you know, make something so brand new that I've never seen it before. I mean, and to me, this is also a cliche that's worth telling in our hectic times. Sure. You know, I think we need more exposure to people different than us and even though it's a little toothpaste commercially and it's a little yeah. you know it's a little phony yeah this movie was also done with such a competent 
stroke the hand the hand guiding it was so confident and it really avoided all the pitfalls that it could have taken to make it it, so insulting it needed the director of dumb and dumber and uh, (laughs) yeah something something about mary Mary. cape in (laughs) i'd rather get months inside in the middle of nowhere um no and that's uh no no i agree i mean i was shocked to learn that he was the director of it peter fairly um i've always been kind of a hit and miss fan of the fairly brothers like again i've i've liked movies of theirs i shouldn't have liked like stuck on you like i love that movie turn that movie on and i will watch I, I don't even remember that one. Oh, it's um, great. Did they do Me, Myself, and Irene? Yeah, they did. Yeah, see, I love that movie. Yeah. I, I, Daddy I got a goddamn butthole <laughs> in his face. I know every line of that movie. Yeah. No, and that's another really bad film, but yeah, I love exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Exactly. So, no, yeah, uh, I mean... Green Book really it had a rest. It was a recipe for disaster. Yes. So I don't know if I like it so much because it just I think cleverly avoided being such crap, mm. um, or if it is really as good as I think it is. I don't know yet. Maybe yeah. time will tell. But right. right now I love it. Right on. What well, you know? And I want to say before we jump into the puzzle pieces, I think a, a major reason why I came around on it and ended up liking it maybe has partially to do with why you liked it um, is. You know, obviously, this is a movie that is about race relations and about about racism. Mm-hmm. And um, but what what I think it does better is it's a odd couple road trip, without movie, a doubt. You know, and it, the fact that it does that so well, it kind of makes it. Even though it's something difficult to forgive, if if that if mm-hmm. if racism is done <laughs> very poorly. Um, but even if it even if you were to really dig deep and say, oh, this is kind of done poorly, it, it's still it's a little easier to forgive because it's such a good odd couple road trip movie. You know? Yeah, that's the thing is it it succeeds where it needs to succeed, which I think is actually. Um, in that in that regard, the thing is, it needs to be a good buddy movie. It needs to be a good road trip movie at first. Yeah, and uh, it's one of the reasons I thought it actually works is because yes, there's the race relation element to it, and and mm-hmm. yes, um, that's like the grander theme. Mm-hmm. But it didn't let that get in the way of telling just a good story. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's still a it's a buddy road trip movie at its heart, at its core. Yes. And then it also gives you a little bit of clarity and a little bit of insight into its themes. And it wasn't nearly as heavy handed as I thought it would be. The ending's a little warm and fuzzy. Sure. You know, but sure. again, it's you know, it's a feel good. Movie, yeah. Which are usually my two least favorite movie words describing <laughs> right. a movie. And everyone's like, it's a feel good. I'm like, so Fuck I was surprised you. when you said you loved it. But yeah, I mean, if you like it, you like I'm it. I'm telling you, I I really it. have no like rules i'm contradictory in in a lot of ways but it comes to movies i always say if it's good i'll like it and i know it's kind of a broad ridiculous thing but you can take something that would like on paper like i said on paper green book i was like whoa this is not good and then really surprised me and another thing is the writing i think the writing was was more nuanced than expected Mm -hmm. i think it did take some left turns where it could have been um painfully obvious and it wasn't yeah. that's the thing is this i mean this is like one of the reasons i hated bohemian rhapsody so much is that it was like there's they went like down the list of dewey cox like all the <laughs> like, okay we're gonna check this list and check this list and it's every cliche yeah. and it was just utter laziness yeah and where green book easily could have been lazy sure it, it, it was it was inventive yeah it took an old thing and it reinvented it absolutely so uh, let, let's jump into some puzzle pieces. What's your first one? So my very first one, I'm just going to get this one out of the way because I want to talk about the ending. It's uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Okay. Okay, now that is that is one of my all-time favorite movies. I've watched it every Thanksgiving for my entire life. Nice. I've easily seen it over 30 times. I haven't seen it in a long time. I used to love Ugh. it when I was younger. I just haven't seen it in at least 15 years. Yeah, probably. It, I need to watch it's it. It's so good. It's probably the best, like... Uh, 
It is the best warm and fuzzy movie of all time. Yeah. It really, really is hilarious. Truly, deeply funny. Yeah. Deeply, deeply funny movie. And uh, the ending, to me, all it was missing was John Candy holding a little red mitten. Because it was very clo- very similar in style, in, in, in sentimentality, and feeling. You know, uh, At the end of the film of, of Green Book... Um, the gentleman, you know, comes in and, and, uh, is welcomed by this Italian family, which had just moments ago been racist, yeah. but, uh, was welcomed <laughs> with open arms and, yeah. and like, there is some flaws in green book. We sure. talked about off, off podcast here that yeah. uh, it is, it, the arc of from racism to being non-racist is a little abrupt and a yes. little harsh. And that is a valid criticism of the movie. The movie isn't perfect. Yeah. You know, it's not, and it's not like the most sophisticated film in the world for these themes, but it does a good enough job, I think. And, but anyway, so the ending is, uh, you know, they welcome in, you know, him in the bos- in his bosom, in his home. Yeah. And they all have a nice Christmas dinner together. And, and, uh, but you know, what's funny is even though that was the pinnacle of the cliche, mm-hmm. I, because the relationship had been so established and I really thought that they did care for each other, I bought it and I liked it and I yeah. was, a mo- and I was moved by it. I thought it earned that, that kind of fuzziness. Yeah. Cause the other thing too, is that life isn't always just cold and horrible and shitty. <laughs> Sometimes people, you know, realize that they were wrong about something. And, and I think that's kind of what this movie is. It's about, I mean, yeah. as a theme, no life isn't all that rosy, but right. I'm okay with sometimes putting the magnifying glass over something positive. Yeah. Especially because this world, the world we're living in today. If one weird uh, racist person is <laughs> able to see a little bit of light, like yeah. maybe that's a good thing, you know, as uh, as kind of cheesy mm-hmm. as it is. No, know? no. I yeah. mean, I know I was actually thinking about this earlier. This is not to go on a big philosophical tangent. I'll keep this super brief. Sure. But like, uh, you know, really the most dangerous thing I think is segregation. You know, mm-hmm. when you don't, live amongst people or understand or, 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 um, are confronted with their culture or confronted with what's different about, you know, different from you. Um, it's easy to invent what you think about them. You yeah. know, you hear things or you're raised a certain way and you just kind of fill in the blanks. But as soon as you're exposed to something, I really do think it changes you. Mm-hmm. It makes you a more tolerant person and not just of race or gender. It's just more abstract things. You know, the more that you are sympathetic yeah. and um, empathetic toward people. I think the the bigger your the broader your mind becomes. And so these little movies that yeah they're a little manufactured and they're a little phony. I think they actually strike at something more important. They strike at something bigger philosophically, mm. which is that you know the Viggo Mortensen character hadn't been around the African American community, right. and he only saw them through this prism. And then you then he spends time with them, and all that melts away. Yeah, it's kind of like the, it's it's the same idea that you can yell at someone on Facebook, and I'm guilty of this. I, I really try to only say on Facebook what I'd say in person. Right. Now, but I've broken that rule sometimes. Uh. Sometimes I've been nastier on <laughs> Facebook than I would be in person. But the, for the most part, people just spout off on Facebook, and then get them right in front of you, and they're 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 a cream puff. Sure. And and I think it's that the face-to-face interaction, uh, it, it really, it is transformative. It can really break a lot of barriers if you just see people as a human being. Yeah. All those superficial barriers break away. And this movie, I think, at its core is about that very idea. He's from one cultural side of the, he's an Italian guy, he only knows his culture, his people. Yeah. And then he's kind of thrown in to this mix with other people and he becomes more empathetic and yeah. that's beautiful. You find out that Mahershala Ali's character doesn't really know uh, his people either. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's another more potent aspect yeah, of it. Yeah. Uh, right on. Well, uh, my first puzzle piece is actually uh, kind of a few movies I just threw together okay. um, because this movie, uh, 
very much uh, dives into the Italian family thing. And so I, I, I put together uh, Goodfellas, A Bronx Tale, and also uh, analyzed this. Oh, uh, yeah. Because sure. there's a lot of comedy out of the... The, the silly Italian stereotypes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which are less stereotypes than yeah. they're, they're really like that. Yeah, I'm exactly. Italian, so I can kind of say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're and, cartoonish uh, people. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that is where like a lot of the comedy comes from. Even once we get away from the family and it's just the two of them, mm-hmm. it's still him being a goofy Italian dude. You yeah. Know? And uh, a lot of the comedy in this movie comes from that, that Italian thing. You know? Yeah, without a doubt. The thing is, what uh, what Italian stereotypes do so well is uh, talk about really how stupid uh, and kind of small minded, or, or at least um, inexperienced, this peop- these people are. I mean, right. the, the Italians come over, and, and we kind of, we're like a hive mind, you know. And uh, but like this movie, it, it kind of pulls on a great cliche, which is that you can do a lot with a child or an idiot. <laughs> you know, those are the two really important characters if you want to philosophize uh give an idiot you know, a way like you know it's like they just stumble upon these simple truths right because right. they're not they don't have the neuroses enough to to really pick it apart at an intellectual level same with a child character yeah and that's the kind of Viggo Mortensen character he's like you know like, no one could do what you do <laughs> you know no one could do it and you do it and, and you know and they, they think about it yeah so that's that's yeah this movie's chock full of that and like yeah. the idiot stumbling upon profound things and i love that type. and that's like the coen brothers do that all the time right they make yeah, all yeah. their characters stupid yeah and yet they stumble upon these more philosophical things um and then maybe that's another reason why i like the movie so much is it's like it's a trope that i like personally mm-hmm. and it's a great way to inject some kind of theme or important message and just put it through the lens of a moron. Yeah. And that's a good theme, I think. Maybe that's a good uh, good reason why uh, Farrelly was, uh, you know, drawn to this project, you yeah. know, because his main character still is an idiot. You yeah, know? his movies are full of stupid people. <laughs> yeah. They're all dumb. <laughs> right. But, I mean, I'm telling you, it's, it's a much harder thing to pull off to give a smart person some kind of revelation. Yeah. You know, like Woody Allen has done it for 50 years and, you know, he his characters are... They, they're balanced out because they're extremely intelligent. They're yeah. smart enough to understand what's going on to, with them, yeah. but they're too neurotic to actually do anything about it. Yeah. So they're still hindered. Instead of them being neurotic and intelligent, a film like this uses a dumb person. Or and those are big, strong words. You know, he's not he's sensitive in a lot of other ways, or blah, 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 blah. But he's fundamentally dumb. Right. Or he's fundamentally ignorant, maybe is a better word. You know, he doesn't have that experience that opens his mind up until the end of the film. But that's how you can kind of sift all this philosophical stuff without being overly preachy. Mm. And you make him, make him an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they did it really well. You know, but before moving on to your next puzzle piece, I just wanted to mention something that made me laugh really hard was... Uh, in the beginning, when we're seeing like kind of like the uh, the mobsters and all yeah. that stuff, uh, the fact that they like apparently sit and eat pasta <laughs> inside of a wooden box <laughs> in the corner of a restaurant, yeah. um, that, that's a pretty good life. I want that life. I want to just sit and eat pasta yeah. inside of a box. Where's that's, my pasta box? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, the thing is, you know, there's a like I said, the whole gangster world is is. You know, it's interesting. It's almost like this self-perpetuating myth. Yeah, yeah. It's like you heard about these guys that may or may not have really existed. Yeah. And then they just want to play that part. Even the ones in real life, like if you ever meet one, that they're still basically playing the movie. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. one of the reasons why, like, it's kind of a segue into my puzzle piece, if okay. you don't mind. So I put The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just had I had to talk about it because it's my favorite show in the world. Sure. But, uh, I mean, one of the master strokes of The Sopranos is that they all love The Godfather. And they watch it all the time, and they yeah. and they quote it, <laughs> and they really live their life 
like this. They, they, it's like they can't differentiate between reality and fantasy. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's such the show is so much more than that, and the, and the film is really more than that too. You know, yeah, Green yeah. Book. But there's a part of it where, like, I really do feel these Goomba guys are almost playing a part, right? In in their life. Yeah. Um, and they get it from the movies, and they get it from the stereotype that they think they should be. Yeah. You know, and and that that's maybe an even more subtle layer of Green Book is that he he kind of peels back that persona and is more than that. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I mean, and well, not to ruin anything again, this is people who have usually seen the movie by the time they listen to this podcast, sure. but um, there's a discovery that the main character is either bisexual or gay. Yeah. And this is one thing that, uh, Mahershala Ali's oh, character, Do- Dr. Yeah, Don. Yeah. Yeah. Doc, yeah. Dr. Don. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this is one more thing that kind of keeps him away from either his family and his past or people in general. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's there's a there's an element to the Viggo Mortensen character who who basically has no feeling on this at all. Right. It's a little unrealistic. Yeah, and, because you know, he's so racist to everybody else around him. Right. Yeah. Well, that thing is like I don't know if I don't know if a of a if this guy would really have those feelings. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, so there's some elements that are a stretch. Yeah. There's some elements that don't quite work. Like I'm reminded of a subplot in The Sopranos where one of the characters is re- revealed to be gay. And he essentially has to be, he's executed as a result of it. And Tony, the main character of the show, uh, basically just wants to leave the guy alone. You know, he's like, listen, whatever happens in his own private life, he's a good earner. Yeah. And he, he really does feel like he wants to let this guy off the hook, but he knows that he can't. Yeah. So part of the Viggo Morrison character, it might work maybe because he's, you know, I don't know. It doesn't quite work. I'm, I'm trying to find ways for it to work, but it's a little bit of a stretch. But, <laughs> but yeah, this whole mentality of the Goomba attitude is, uh, has been explored a million times before. Mm-hmm. And I think getting the Viggo Mortensen character away from his family was a good idea. Because you know, yeah. getting the, out of that environment, we've seen that so many times, that like getting him away and getting the odd couple story going was was a positive. Yeah, I guess to look at it, um, look at it in a realistic point of view, um, it, he was only going to grow on his own. Like, there's no way surrounded by your own people that you're yeah. going to grow in that kind of way. Right. You know, whether or not it's even possible to grow in the first place is another <laughs> story, but... If you're going to uh, in a story that you, you kind of have to be on your own or just around the people that you're trying to let in. Yeah, no, it's true. Again, it's yeah. the exposure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a much deeper conversation. Is like, is a story like Green Book possible? Right. Apparently it is based on a true story. Yeah. How true? We don't know. Right. Uh, the other weird, wait, wait, before I, for, I almost forgot. Okay. Oh my goodness. Another weird connection to Sopranos. The guy that is the real character, the Viggo Mortensen character, the real one was Lip, right? Yeah. They call him Tony Lip, Lip. Tony Lip. He, the real guy played a character in the Sopranos. Oh wow. He is, apparently was also an actor. Huh. And he was the mob boss family. He was the the, uh, the boss of the New York family. That's random. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. They showed a picture of the real Tony Lip at the end. I yeah, almost yeah. spit out all my drink. I was like, holy shit, is that <laughs> Carmine? I know that guy. <laughs> it's Carmine from The Sopranos. I couldn't. I had no idea that they were the same person. So. That's hilarious. So yeah, there's a literal connection as well. Right on. Um, all right, well, let, let's... Uh, my next puzzle piece is not actually a movie, okay. um, but it is... Uh, directors like Adam McKay, Woody Allen, Jay Roach, Rob Reiner, who went from comedies into uh, more mm. serious drama films. 
and uh, Peter Farrelly, like we've talked about already, um, going from Dumb and Dumber and things like that to something. I mean, this is still funny, but it's definitely a more serious drama. Something with a lot of Oscar potential. It's like you know, this this is a, a real a real movie. You know, yeah. like he obviously that's uh, not something every comedy director is able to pull off. But mm. he looked, I'm sure, to those kind of directors and said, you know, maybe this is something I could do. Yeah, he put on his big boy pants. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, these, I mean, film directors, um, they tend to get put into a, uh, they're kind of uh, locked into whatever they did before. Yeah. One of the reasons, you know, it's, you could at least make an argument for checking out that movie Widows that we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, because it was at least getting out of his comfort zone. And that's what the freedom of getting winning an Oscar gives you. Yeah. But most directors don't have that luxury. Sure. I mean, when Woody Allen made Interiors, which was his first very serious kind of Bergman-esque movie in, in, in the late 70s, in 1978. It was his follow-up to Annie Hall. Right. And how he got the you know, ability to do that is he won Best Picture with Annie Hall. Yeah. Now, Annie Hall itself was a huge departure from his previous movie called movie called Love and Death, which mm-hmm. was like the last of his zany, ridiculous right. comedies. So he was slowly growing anyway. But to go from Annie Hall to Interiors, if you guys haven't seen either of those films, check them both out. But they're drastically different. And people were really confused. Yeah. It was like a very serious, somber film. So, yeah, no, it's tough. And I really admire directors uh, that want to branch out, that have this. You know, the thing is, is like, yeah, you can do Dumb and Dumber. Dumb Dumb and Dumber was great. Yeah. Kingpin may be arguably better. Yeah. And then they hit something about Mary, which was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, having cum in someone's hair was like, was like (laughs) your grandmother knew that joke. It was like, it transcended all these weird barriers. Yeah. Uh, and so they have their own little place in comedy movie history. I, with those three films, I think. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, They've been real hit and miss ever since. Mm. Uh, but you know, this is a, this is a great opportunity, uh, to take all the education he got from those earlier movies and apply it to a more, uh, a beefier story, something with some heft and, yeah. and, uh, again, kind of an, an important story, yeah. totally realistic. I don't know, but as realism is crucial all yeah. the time. I don't know. I think, I think it's a, it's a, it's a solid attempt at a move into more dramatic material. You yeah. know, it, it, it does. He does. He did quite a good job. Yeah. You know? Aided by the performances. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The, the performances were believable. Yeah. And added that kind of sophistication and heft that the material needed. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's it was uh, it was very funny at moments, but it, it kind of an almost I mean masterfully is a, is kind of a big word to use, but it, it very confidently moved and navigated into those dramatic moments. Yeah, and that was one of the things I really admired about it as well is that it kind of ping pong very effortlessly back and forth between the heavy moments and those really funny moments. So no, it it, it was a very revealing project for for Peter Fairley. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. All right, what's your uh, next puzzle piece? So my next puzzle piece is driving miss daisy all right okay so uh there's a car involved (laughs) that's that's the first thing for those of you who don't know about driving miss daisy it's essentially a a racist older jewish woman that has an african-american chauffeur played Mm. by morgan freeman doing his best morgan freeman yeah and uh she's super racist essentially and then again through exposure yeah uh and learning about him they she learns the error of her ways and that's a big. I don't know if that was. A, I don't know if that won Best Picture, but it was nominated at least. Uh, oh, it, was yeah. a, it was a big movie there. And uh, so yeah, to me, there's a lot of similarities. There's uh, definitely virtually the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually the same movie. Yeah. Uh, but 
But again, well done. Yeah. It's it was a little bit I mean, I feel like a Green Book benefits from being made today mm-hmm. where we're we're more concerned with realism. Yeah. Because even though Green Book is is slight fantastical in the sense of his transformation, going yeah. from being so racist to not racist at all, yeah. uh is a is almost a, like a, a a dramatic thematic feat. Yeah. Uh but the, yet it still plays kind of real. Yeah, the the details of the of the of the time period are a little bit real, and the mm. shooting style is real, and the dialogue feels a little bit rooted in reality. Yeah, you know, to where Driving Miss Daisy was from an era that realism wasn't the most important thing. It was kind of smack dab in the in the era of escapism. Yeah, and uh, it was like the dramatic counterpart to the action films that were going totally off the wall and being crazy, and you know. Uh, Sly Stallone was reanimated and, you know, like all kinds of crazy <laughs> things that we would never buy now. Yeah. We would never watch an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie anymore. Yeah. You know, the sixth <laughs> day would not come out today, I don't think. So, yeah, Green Book is kind of also uh, benef- it's benefiting from the time period in which it's made, yeah. which I think we had just we have a more um, of a higher bar for realism. Yeah. No, but yeah, absolutely. other than that, Driving Miss Daisy is the same movie otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when the trailer came out, I was like, oh, look, it's... Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Apparently, Viggo Mortensen is an old Jewish woman. Now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's got quite the range, I would say. He, you know what's, <laughs> he does. Because, like, you know, obviously I made the comparison with Sopranos, but when I was when I heard him speak, I was like, oh, he must, he's channeling Tony Soprano. Right. Because his voice is similar. And But yeah, that guy is, I had no idea he had such range. Yeah, I had no idea he was potentially italian <laughs> yeah. i mean i don't know if he is but I, yeah. if he if you told me he was now i'd be completely uh, exactly. i wouldn't be surprised yeah i never would have uh, seen him in this kind of role but he absolutely pulls it off i mean it's definitely one of the better performances this year i, I agree yeah yeah and the thing is that's just to touch on it since we're here yeah uh it is i mean that is a tough performance to navigate yeah yeah because that could be so cartoonish yep and absurd yeah, and I mean, just in the in the accent, you're yeah. just like, oh, you kind of, I kind of rolled my eyes. Yeah, but man, does he bring it home? He makes it very realistic. Yeah, I believed every line he said. Uh, he's a great dramatic actor, and and had a lot of comic timing. I wasn't yeah. so right. I yeah. was surprised by. Yeah. So I I definitely think it is one of the better performances and, of the year. And everything you just said can apply to Mahershala Ali too. Without a doubt. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, also. Uh, a character that could be very kind of eye rolling, you know, yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. but uh, he really, really pulls it off. And I mean, he he's been great in so many things. Yeah, what lately. a talent that yeah. guy is! Really yeah. a beautiful, beautiful actor. True Detective season three coming in January. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a star. Let's Can't hope wait. it's as good as two. No, I, I'm I, I like two. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I did. I I know a lot of people hated it. I, yeah. I the Lynchian quality. Yeah, I liked it, man. I I got to admit, I liked That's it. That's crazy. I'm Vince Vaughn alone was worth it. <laughs> It's so <laughs> shitty in that. I, I like Colin it. Farrell in it. Oh, he's great. He's man. his son was yeah. also a highlight. Yeah, but yeah, no, the Vince Vaughn thing was the torpedo oh. that that sank that ship. Oh, I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> All right, my next uh, my next puzzle piece. Um, and I got to say, my, my next two puzzle pieces are going to sound like I'm bagging on this movie a little bit, but okay. I, I I did like this movie quite a bit, and I I. 
Well, at least like this one, not so much the next one, but uh, Little Miss Sunshine, uh-huh. um, which is just like the feel-good movie of the year, which is what this is. <laughs> yeah, this what I is mean? the feel-good movie. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely is. It's also a road trip movie at the same time. So, yeah, um, it's a great one. Yeah, but uh, Little Miss Sunshine was like the, the big feel-good movie that you know everybody was so rooting for and everything like that. I think people are going to be rooting for this movie in a way. Yeah. You know, I, I don't. I I don't. It might be the most popular Oscar contender. Yeah, but I don't think it will win. Yeah, I I don't think so either. Um, I think the other big popular one is uh, A Star is Born, I, I still think. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing is that also might be too obvious. Yeah, yeah. I think First Man might take it. Nah, First Man's losing so much steam. Yeah, no one cares about it anymore. Yeah, nobody That's does. That's yeah. true. It doesn't have the political side to it. Yeah. But when I watched it, I thought this might win. Might, yeah. It's going to get nominated anyway. Oh, it'll be nominated yeah. for sure. I, I don't think it has a chance. So I'd say this actually has a chance over it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I kind of take that back. Yeah. Because it just doesn't have that support. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it was, I think Green Book's a big enough surprise that it's going to get that momentum. Yeah. But it still might lose out. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what's your next puzzle piece? Uh, are you were you done on that one already? I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. No. That was that was a you know feel good movie. That, that's really what it comes down to. You yeah. Know? Was it? Yeah. yeah I, no, I agree. <laughs> and this man, that's a good transition into the next one. Um, this is kind of a not not a particular film, but the uh, the work of uh, Frank Capra, um, <laughs> is what I'd like to talk about for a moment. Okay. Uh, the thing about Frank's movies is that they were total suspension of of disbelief you mm-hmm. had to re i mean it was just made by a, a, an optimist right. you know mr smith goes to washington uh-huh. it's a wonderful life you know these films uh were about people changing in the 90 minute period right and uh this is a tougher and tougher pill for us to swallow even people that want feel good movies i think this th- this is a harder thing to pull off yeah in today's either i don't know if we're more cynical as a society, mm-hmm. or if we're just so stuck in the motif of realism, like I said earlier, yeah. that we just demand more. Ever since the Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I want to talk about it. It's unfortunately not a puzzle piece. Yeah. No, um, but yeah, we demand a certain level of realism now. And so, yeah, but I think this is this could have been a, a Frank Capra film. Mm. I mean, easily. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, just the... There's kind of a whimsical quality to this. Oh, for sure. And it's a holiday film. Yeah. So I think there's a lot uh, that that reminds me of that. And there is kind of a classical element to Green Book as well. Um, to me, the way, when I mean classical, I mean like it's a good story. This yeah. idea that there's this book, and for those of you that don't know about you know, the, the Green Book comes from a literal book, which tells African-Americans a safe way to travel through the deep South. Yeah. So a place, you know, places to go, hotels to stay in, restaurants to eat, places that they could avoid trouble. Uh, and it, to me, it was a great reminder of how insane our country yeah. was and is, oh, yeah. but you know, particularly in that period of time. And you know, that's one of the great things about movies is that it transports you to a different time and place and, and gives you a lot of, you know, something to learn. I learned that. I didn't know what the Green Book was before this film. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's kind of classical in that sense that it just has this great premise. And then the characters were allowed to explore and, and be funny. And it was one of the se- it was one of the movies I've seen recently. The dialogue was important. Yeah, like, yeah. What they were saying, I wanted to hear. As opposed to the writer just pontificating and telling you know, just putting lines in people's mouths because they like to have their voice, their own voice sounds, right. their own writing skill. <laughs> but the the conversation between the two actors was actually crucial. Oh yeah, and so I found myself listening. Yeah, and that's another kind of uh, Frank Capper thing is that uh, there's this you know, whimsy and beauty to it. And, yeah, yeah, you definitely have to 
take off your cynical yeah you know your cynical outfit i think the music helps a lot too i mean he he is incredible piano player and then they they do quite a few performances uh in the movie and that that music really helps to kind of give it that whimsical feel and everything like that and yeah uh, it even falls in honestly it's even a combination of cliches because it's also the trouble genius cliche yeah yeah which i i love the trouble genius cliche Uh i will watch you know beautiful mind Mm -hmm. i'll watch the imitation game i love those movies i love trouble geniuses i I love house and house is just the same episode for eight years and i'll and i'll watch it because he's he's interesting so that whole thing works for me too yeah i love that i and i think they did this in a a really sincere way i think a part of vigo's transformation comes from his admiration for his talent yes yes and i think they used music as an equalizer Mm -hmm. which music is it is absolutely all all artists i I would say uh i mean not to be too cheesy but mtv is like such a huge for any progress we've made as a country (laughs) thanks to david bowie yeah (laughs) because david bowie's like why don't you play black artists (laughs) and then they shit their pants yeah right (laughs) so thank you david bowie for for one of many things one of many things but uh yeah no no i think no i agree with you though mtv is a conduit yeah, I mean, like I said, we talked about this on an earlier episode that I was like this chubby, affluent white kid mm-hmm. in the '90s, and I had access to hip hop music and rap music, and and I love and I it, and again, it just exposed me to a part of the world I didn't fully understand. Yeah. I didn't try to steal it and make it my own, right? But right. I I was just lucky enough to be to just have a, a kind of a. a a side glance into it. That's and, what know. I did, by the way. New Demise and D-Rock's album, not now. <laughs> We're not the plugs yet. We're not yeah. the plugs yet. No, you know, but, you know, again, it's it's still a separate thing. I didn't claim it for my own. But yeah. at the same time, there were a lot less barriers up uh, in, in my worldview because I, had, I was exposed to it through art. I was reading about, you know, I mean, the same thing when it comes to, um, to homosexuality. I mean, we talked about, again, you know, we're ashamed of some of the things we've said in the nineties sure, concerning yeah. the F word and things of that nature. But I got really lucky cause I was reading books by James Baldwin mm-hmm. and he was describing homosexual sex, African-Americans, you know, having uh, interracial relationships. And I was a young kid, very expo- you know, exposed to these things or reading William S. Burroughs, reading queer and junkie and these great books at 12 or 13 years old. Yeah. So art is, is so communicative. It, it really is exposing you to things. Sure. Um, and you know, Lou Reed was a hero of mine, and his right. sexuality was also so ambiguous in a lot of, for a lot of the way, a lot of time. So yeah, no, I feel like I loved that the movie made art the real thing that broke down the initial barrier. Yeah, he respected him, and then that respect turned into admiration, turned into love, turned into friendship. Yeah, and again, I know it's hokey, and if you want to be cynical, then you'd hate this movie. Right, but if you can. Uh, uh, at least acknowledge that it's possible something like this could happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, like I said, I think it's a good piece of medicine for our times. Yeah. Because it's, yes. a, you know, and it's not overly cheesy. Yeah. Because if it was really cheesy, I would have hated it too. Yeah. But it somehow walked the line. That, that's what I expected. I expected super cheesy and yeah. I got something that was a lot better than that. Yeah. It's sentimentality sure. somehow walked the line yeah. for me. One thing before I move on to my next puzzle piece that I did want to uh, mention, you brought up the green book itself. That's one area of the film I wish it had gone into a little bit more Mm. because that's something I didn't know anything about either. And I wish they had talked about it a little bit more because like a MacGuffin. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's really interesting and freaking crazy. Um, But uh, yeah, I would like to know a little more about it. I guess I'll (laughs) just have to read it on my own. But yeah. 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 But uh, that's a crazy chapter. (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah. In our history. And yeah. 
just the just to have any form of it back again, or yeah. at least revealed, it's always been around, but yeah. kind of instigated in our modern times. Yeah. Um, I think maybe it was another reason the movie worked a little better for me, because it's a cautionary tale. Yes. And people should see it. Yeah. For that reason alone. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Right on. Uh, well, my next puzzle piece, and like I said, this kind of goes along with Little Miss Sunshine, mm-hmm. another uh, feel-good, inspirational-type movie. Um. This one didn't like as much, and this one um, also deals with race relations and kind of sidesteps them in the way that I thought this movie would. That's The Blind Side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sandra fucking Bullock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's almost exactly what I expected this movie to be going in, and Same. I still, I still, there's still shades of it like we've talked about, but it... it luckily absolutely ended up being something a lot much better. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I do think that it's still worth mentioning. Yeah, The Blind Side is yeah. like the shitty version of this movie. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, it's like its evil twin. Yeah. And uh, I mean, t- I mean, it's not necessarily shitty. It's lazy. Yeah, exactly. Lazy, lazy is the right version. word. Yeah. I think it was made like right before, I mean, right at the beginning of this boom of like, hey, we need more African-Americans. We need more mm-hmm. minorities of all kinds. We need more females. And cinema. it's such a strong force happening now that the, the change is real. Yeah. It's really happening. I think this was like one of the the, the uh, predecessors to this movement. Yes. And so I don't think it really was taken as seriously as it is like a Green Book was taken. Right. I think they needed to be a little bit more sensitive with Green Book because it's in this heightened time yeah i think blindside was like let's just make a hokey you know like yeah. white lady figures it out movie yeah but you know i agree when i first saw that trailer i was like oh my god not, yeah. not another one of these <laughs> right it's like why doesn't the lady this the white woman go into the inner city and teach them how to read poetry like it's like, that you know i mean it's that whole thing yeah absolutely. i hate white people figuring stuff out <laughs> it really like we don't deserve movies anymore and uh there's few people you know, as a society worse than the white group of people, they're real, real awful. Yeah. And, uh, and so now this was, a, like, again, I could stomach this one green yeah. book really like, I don't know how, I know we say like a million times, I don't want to repeat myself over and over again, but it somehow found a way yes. to, to elevate this. Yeah. And I, I think it was the skill of the writing. Yeah. The screenplay, I want to well, maybe get a little different than what we've said before, is the screenplay. Yeah. The screenplay was as masterfully written. I thought, yeah. Um, there was uh, a lot of like kind of that, that humor threaded through. Yeah, and every time we were about to hit like a cliche moment, it kind of took a little bit of a left turn. Yeah, you know, it wasn't quite a blueprint from like they didn't take the Blindside script and rework it. Yes, you know what I mean. So again, Blindside to me would be like the Bohemian Rhapsody of this genre. It's kind <laughs> of the, the the beat by beat. That's harmonized in a trunk. Also, uh, also a major, major hit, whether we like it or not. That means nothing to me. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Oh, it's an eighty-six percent, you know, you know, fresh." Well, Fuck you. I don't know if you saw the news today. It is now officially the number one yeah. music biopic of all time. Okay, I don't care. Uh, means yeah. nothing. Take I, your I'm money sorry. and run. I, I'm sorry, Chris. Take <laughs> your money and run, you thieves. You know, the thing is, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I don't, it's not good in any way, shape, or form. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. The thing is, the, the good parts of it are the music. Uh-huh. And I can just get that from a Queen album. Yeah. You know, so I, send me the hate mail. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. I hate every moment of it. Every waking moment of that movie, I hate it. Yeah. Oh, man. Do you have any other uh, puzzle pieces? That's a good question. I got sidetracked by my hatred. <laughs> yeah, I, that, it's easy. It's, it's I'm easy so do. fiery. Yeah, I, I just know. hate it so I much. Know. You know, amazingly, Rocket Man looks worse. 
<laughs> Rocket Man looks fucking terrible. It's hilarious how Rocket Man literally looks like Bohemian Rhapsody like, 2. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the like same Shared movie. universe and everything. I'm pretty sure that Elton John's on early cut of Bohemian Rhapsody. He was like, where's my movie? <laughs> Do you have to get AIDS to make a movie about it? What's going on? Poor Elton. <laughs> I mean, Elton John's incredible, but that movie's going to be fucking terrible. Oh, my God. I got to go see it with my parents for sure. Yeah. So my last one, it doesn't really count. I was just going to say Dumb and Dumber. Okay. Uh, just a little a little thing I'll say about it, because uh, obviously it's from the same filmmaker, so it doesn't quite count. But I think uh, they they that was like their big debut, mm-hmm. and it's the ultimate buddy comedy i mean it's not i mean i guess you could say the odd couple perhaps but but of our of this generation the dumb and dumber is so fondly remembered yeah and it's uh again it's about stupid people yeah i mean we talked about that a little bit earlier but i think that it's uh i think it it gave it learned they learned a big lesson i think as filmmakers on dumb and dumber and i think he probably harkened back to some of those principles he learned and applied them to this film with a slightly more dramatic flavor sure but sure. there's a there's an element of dumb and dumber in this yeah well you know what that, that's actually a really good uh point and also i would say a lot of the fairly brothers comedies involve the the heroes in a road trip or in some kind of a yeah you know a big long drive and a shot of them in the car talking back and forth and like you know that they they love road shots yeah <laughs> they're kind of like the the dick and fart version of Alexander Payne. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause Alexander Payne loves the road movie. Yes, he does. And his like, I mean, so I mean, green book is almost like, instead of dumb and dumber, it's like dumb and smart. Right. right? It's like, dumb, yeah, but they're both outcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, it almost has like a sideways quality to it. Maybe sideways could be a, like I'll throw that as a puzzle piece. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I'm putting it down. Put it down. Yeah. Cause I mean, sideways is brilliant. Yeah. I love that film. Yeah. But I, but I what I like about Sideways is that it's core. It's almost sophomoric. Yeah. It's not. It's only sophisticated because the characters are so well drawn and so sophisticated, right. so beautiful and and challenging and well written. Yeah. But other than that, this film is extremely simple. Yeah. And it's no. It's like Animal House. You know what I mean, in a lot of ways. <laughs> right. But uh, but yeah, I think that. I mean, it's it's really weird to see the parallels between Dumb and Dumber. Actually, I, I even kind of forgot that it's a road movie, right? Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's two people on the road, yeah. learning nothing. That's learning, the biggest. Learning. That's the biggest difference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a testament to Dumb and Dumber that they're the same people as when they started at, was when they finished. Yeah, yeah, which is like breaking the rule of movie making. Number one it takes skill. Yeah, nothing happens <laughs> and nothing changes. What a great movie! Yeah, so uh, good, so uh, good. <laughs> Not as good as Dumb and Dumber Two, which oh, is terrifying and yeah, creepy. Oh God! What was that about i never actually saw it i i it's I bad. wanted to but it's uh, bad. yeah never there's a lot there's, there's like a trend now of jim carrey dating younger women yeah creepily so <laughs> i remember watching yes man and they had zoe de chanel and i was like is that his love interest <laughs> they're 80 years apart so yeah it was uh, yeah so anyway that's a tangent but jim carrey is a national treasure i <laughs> you know what's funny is i love i grew jim carrey changed my life when uh, i was three years old i saw ace ventura pet detective and i wanted to become an actor how old are you i'm 28 years old jesus christ yeah i know <laughs> i'm just fucking bald <laughs> so it's everyone's confused but no uh i, I look like i'm gonna die but anyway so 
Uh, no, so I mean, yeah, I saw that film when I was young, and I was like obsessed with Jim Carrey for years, uh, and now I can't stand him. Yeah, his fucking new wave hippy dippy bullshit. <laughs> I love him, dude. He's the worst. I'll take it. It's so ridiculous. He's I, so bad. Doesn't matter to me. Okay, he, okay. He, he he's got a lifetime pass, man. He's he's Jim Carrey. No, nope, no. Nope. He, he's shaking his head at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> a lifetime pass. I don't think so. But I mean. <laughs> he pisses me off. Just thinking yeah. about him upsets me now. Yeah, I, I could imagine. But uh, I mean, just like Man on the Moon, though, excellent. Yeah. Oh, so good. great film. So Truman good. Show, great yeah. film. Yeah, Eternal Sunshine. Oh, um, you know, what? I I've warmed up to that film. I didn't like it for years, I but now it. I like it. Charlie, Charlie. It's, I mean, I'm Charlie Kaufman. I, yeah. Um. So let's uh let's take a look at the finished puzzle for uh Green Book. We've got. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, uh, the trio of A Bronx Tale, Goodfellas, and Analyze This, The Sopranos, Driving Miss Daisy, directors like Adam McKay, Woody Allen, Jay Roach, Rob Reiner, we've got also Frank Capra, we've got Little Miss Sunshine, The Blind Side, Dumb and Dumber, and Sideways. Oh, wow, that's pretty accurate, I think. Yeah, it's a good list. That's a good, good puzzle piece. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Nah, absolutely. Um, Green Book, I... I We've talked about it through the whole episode, how surprised we were with this movie. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I kind of even like it more after having this conversation a it's, little bit. There's more in yeah. there than I think we first thought. Yeah. I loved it, but I even just talking with you discovered more. Yeah, yeah. No. Or maybe it's subtext we're putting in. But that says something about the film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, really, really good movie. Um, that was the point of me coming here was to make a case for it. Yeah. I wanted you. Yeah. I have mission accomplished. You I wanted you to like it. You succeeded. <laughs> you succeeded. Absolutely. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say about this no. one, except for people should see it if they listen to this and haven't. Yeah. You, your reservations are totally warranted. For those yeah. of you out there who don't like to be spoon fed yes. and, and, saw that trailer and just knew it was going to be crap. Yeah. Really, it's not. Give it a shot. Yes, inherently there is a, a, a couple of tropes in there. Yeah. Yes, it is a little bit of, of that warm and fuzzy. If you, if you're, it's not about being cynical. It, you know, it's, if you're cynical, you're not going to like it. Right. <laughs> but if you are open to um, a little bit more of a beautiful, you know, idealistic film, yeah. This does a good job, and it doesn't pander. It doesn't insult you yeah. in on the on the way. The yeah. process isn't insulting, and the final result I think earns all that warm and fuzzy. Yeah, and plus you got Viggo Mortensen being a silly Italian man, and uh, and two great you know. performances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two incredible performances. Absolutely, subtler than you would ever get out of that out of the trailer. Yeah, I thought, oh man, this is gonna be schlocky. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is gonna be Vigo doing Tony Soprano. Yeah, but again, he found a way to breathe breathe life into it. Absolutely, showed another dimension of his talent uh yeah just a lot better than i expected yeah liked it quite a bit they even pulled off the fried chicken scene yeah right you know that could have been so bad that could have been so bad yeah i mean that's the thing is as soon as i saw that i was like oh my god oh no and yet it was good yeah it was good absolutely well uh chris you got anything you want to plug nope no no plugging <laughs> no just watch all the stuff i do and whatever i put out read it what's yeah. your website so it's called uh chris not that original but uh 
That's that's my uh, that's my personal site. You can see all of my written work and all of my film work. You can see the projects that are in development, which there's a movie called Madam X. I've talked about here before with the support of the Kubrick family, which is very exciting. Going back up to the UK to meet with a gentleman named Doug Milsom, who is the cinematographer on Full Metal Jacket. He's officially signed on to shoot the film, so it's really really exciting. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's going to be a couple of years away probably. So keep an eye out for Madam X in the process. Maybe read uh, my comic strip. It's all downhill from here, which you can find on. It's all downhill from here.tv, a website, or on Instagram with the same moniker. And uh, you can also see me yell and scream on Facebook if you want. Beautiful. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Green Book. Uh, it's definitely a movie I'd recommend seeing. Um, it's it's a fun movie. It's really good. Um, and coming up, we've got a bunch of new episodes. We're going to be filling up the end of December. Um, hopefully with two episodes a week, maybe even a little more than that, uh, planning on really finishing up the end of the year big. Uh, starting off with on Monday, we're going to have a special episode with director Ben Yonker, who made the artificial music video, which is my music video. So that's going to be a really fun talk. Um, it's, you know, it's cool to be able to talk about a project that I had something to do with. I actually wrote the script for that video, and it's, of course, my song. And it's been a video that's done really well for us. Uh, It's been out there at a bunch of film festivals, won a bunch of awards. So I'm really excited to talk about it in detail. And I ended up finding out some stuff in this conversation that I didn't even know about going into it. So um, it's a really cool talk. And then, uh, yeah, lots of movies we'll be covering in the coming weeks. And then also we'll be doing some like end of the year top 10 type stuff. So definitely make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on whatever your podcast app of choice is. If you're enjoying the show, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Um, And you can also get in touch with us. Follow us on social media at PiecingPod or join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. And you can also just email me directly if you want to get in touch by David Rosen at gmail.com I'm open to talking about anything you want to talk about so just get in touch and uh, one other thing I want to plug before we uh, finish this episode up uh, you should go to our website piecingpod.com and sign up for our mailing list because uh, first of all we're starting to add more content to the website uh, starting to do some written reviews we're going to have a really cool um, episode search thing where you're going to be able to search by puzzle piece which is going to be really cool and uh, 
really interesting too, I think, once we get this thing up. Uh, and we're also going to be doing contests, and you have to be signed up for that mailing list to win uh, in some of these contests. So get signed up to our mailing list. Don't worry, I will not be spamming you with a whole bunch of crap. Uh, just once a week, we'll go out uh, what the new episodes that week were. And uh, that's all the emails that are going to go out from it. So sign up and you will not get a whole bunch of crap from me. I promise that. <laughs> but uh, I hope you're enjoying the show. And I'm going to leave you with a piece of my music as usual. I haven't decided what yet. Um, but I'll leave you with something good. And then uh, I guess that's it for today. But like I said, we'll be back on Monday with a special episode. And then next Friday with another full new episode. Thanks for listening. And all points west.